Welcome to New Community Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to hear today's message. We are encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share or a prayer request for our prayer team, please email us at connect at newcommunity.co. Now please prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Well, we are in the last week of this series called Jesus Is, and this is Celebration Sunday. And so we thought, what better way to end the series than with a message um, about Jesus? And the title of today's message is Jesus Is Happy. Okay, so if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Jesus is happy. We're celebrating today. And so we want to focus in on that, on the joy of God and who God is and what that means inside of our life, this idea that Jesus is happy. The past few weeks, we've looked um, at the person of Jesus. We've studied in Scripture what the Word of God says about him. And many times we've formed ideas from what we see in movies or pictures or things that we've heard. And so the past few weeks, we've been in these conversations of going back to the Word of God, looking at what Scripture says, and then allowing that to shape how we, um, our actions this week, how we think, our, our thoughts, our motives, all of those things this week. And so today I want to look at this idea that Jesus is happy and look at what that means for us inside of our life. You know, um, growing up as a young person, I was kind of um, a procrastinator, okay, like in school and other things. Some of you guys may be able to relate to that. Wasn't a big planner, didn't plan stuff ahead. But even as a high school student, I had a few plans that I knew I wanted my life to go this way. The first plan was I knew I wanted to be married by the age of 20 or 21, okay? Wasn't a question. I wanted to get married young. I knew that, okay? And then I knew immediately I wanted to have kids. And I told God, I want to have two boys and a girl, okay? I don't want to have a girl first. I want to have two boys and a girl, okay? So I had all of these plans figured out. I knew exactly what I wanted um, in that part of my life. And I'm happy to say, standing in front of you, that that's the way it worked out, okay? Sarah agreed to marry me at a young age, okay? Probably wasn't the smartest move on her part because wasn't that mature, but she married me and she helped me grow and everything. Um, at a young age, we had um, our first three, Josiah, Micah, and Angela, and I knew their names, okay? So when I was going to marry Sarah, I told her, these will be our kids' names, okay? You will have two boys and then you will have a girl, as if she could do something about that. But I just kind of threw that out there that that's the way it was going to happen. And so everything was going along great, man. I was excited. We were in ministry. We were youth pastors at um, a couple of great churches in Illinois. And so everything was working out how I had it planned. And the reason why I wanted to have kids young was because um, I knew that at the age of 43, I would be kissing my daughter Angela goodbye out the door, sending her off to college. And Sarah and I would still be young and all the kids would be out of the house. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. And I was so excited about that. And so you can imagine my shock. You can imagine um, the anxiety in my life when one day I'm at church and I get a phone call from Sarah. And she said, Aaron, I've got some news for you. I'm pregnant. I was 28 at this point, about to turn 29. She said, we're going to have another kid. And my immediate response was, how does that happen? How did this happen, Sarah? Now, just to calm your nerves, okay, I do understand how that works, okay? I do understand what happens there. But it wasn't part of my plan. It wasn't what I was thinking. It wasn't um, in, in any of my scope. God hadn't talked to me about this. I hadn't talked to God about this, okay? I knew how everything was going to work. And all of a sudden, the beautiful age of 43 and all of my kids being out of the house was um, shot to pieces. And it did take me a week to kind of process through that. But after the week, all of a sudden, I realized, man, I'm going to have another kid, like, we're going to have another boy, and this is so exciting. And so I begin to plan for that and begin to prepare for that. And 
Now, whenever I look across the room, I had the chance of baptizing my little guy, Jaron Escamilla, this morning. So he was the little guy up here. I can't imagine life without him. And I wouldn't trade um, being kid-free at the age of 43 for anything because of the joy that he brings to my life. And then um, God, in his infinite humor, decided to play another trick, and we adopted three more. And now Aiden is my youngest down here, this little guy. And I think I'm somewhere around 52 or 53 now before any of my kids or before the last kid will get out of the house. But you know what? In all of that, there are difficulties at times. You know, there are frustrations in parenting. I wouldn't trade any of that because of the joy that these kids bring to my life, because of the happiness that they bring inside of me as a parent and in what God has done. God knew exactly what I needed by giving me more kids. He knew what was important in my life. He knew what my life was going to be like. And all of these kids right here bring so much joy and happiness to Sarah and myself. And I want us to look at the birth of Jesus this morning. I know we're not quite to Christmas yet, but I think as we look at the Christmas story, as we look at the birth of Christ, we're going to see something about the joy of God and the happiness in that God knew exactly what he was doing by giving us his son. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to start reading there at verse 8. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you. And you can turn in that Bible um, to page 556. You can follow along with us as we read um, the story here this morning. But in Luke chapter 2, you guys are probably all familiar with this. You've seen it on Christmas cards. You've probably heard the Christmas story, um, even if you haven't been around church a lot. But we see the story of the birth of Christ. And you know at this time that Joseph and Mary, this young couple, okay, they're traveling from where they were at to the city of Bethlehem. Um, They were required to by the Roman Empire, okay? Um, Mary is there. There's been a lot of crazy things around while she's been pregnant, around the birth of her child that she's getting ready to have. An angel came. Mary wasn't married. She um, didn't have a husband at that time. And so she legitimately had the right to ask God, how did this happen, okay? When she gets pregnant, she's a virgin, and so she doesn't understand how it happened. But God miraculously placed his son inside of Mary, and she's getting ready to have this baby. They travel from where they're at to Bethlehem. There's no room in the inn. And then she gives birth on that night. She gives birth to a brand new baby boy, and they name him Jesus. And while all of this is happening, while all of this is taking place outside the city of Bethlehem, there are a group of shepherds there. And this is where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And it says this, right outside of Bethlehem, in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. It was their natural reaction. It's what they thought was going to take place. Um, God has shown up. Angels have shown up. And now all of a sudden, fear is in their heart. But the angel said to them, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. If you have that Bible there, just underline that. Or if you have your smartphone, highlight that right there. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. What's taking place in this story? What's happening? What do we see taking place? God's Son has arrived on the scene. Jesus has come. God has wrapped himself up in flesh and allowed himself to be born as a young baby, a young innocent baby born into our world. And whenever that happens, there is great celebration. There's great joy that takes place right around that moment. God is giving himself to the world. 
But when you look at this, the words that God says, the words that this angel announces on behalf of God is, hey, this moment right here, this is good news. This is good news to the world. This is going to be great joy. Everyone who finds out about the birth of this child, this is great joy for them. God is introducing to the world. Happiness is what's taking place in this moment. But there's some other things that are going on to these shepherds, to the people surrounding them that didn't seem like God was about joy. That didn't, they didn't understand or maybe fully identify with the happiness that God was introducing into their life. And I want us to look at this and look at maybe how our lives are similar sometimes, but then how our reaction should change as we understand this. What's taking place in this story right here is Joseph and Mary are under the Roman Empire. Okay, you probably studied about that in history class. The Roman Empire, they're oppressing them. That's why they have to go from wherever they were at into the town of Bethlehem. That's why they're moving from that place because the Roman government said, hey, we're going to take a census. Now, I just want you to think in your mind right now, what if you had to leave where you're at, Mesquite or whatever town around here that you live in, and you had to go back to wherever you're from, okay? I don't know if that would be Mexico for me. I'm not for sure where that would be at, but I'd have to travel somewhere else, okay? You got to go back from wherever your family comes from, however far back that is. You got to go back to their place of origin, and so you're disrupted. Your work life is disrupted, and all of this, and the Roman government, they said, hey, we're all about peace, but their peace came through oppression. If you didn't do what they said, then they would crucify you, they would kill you, they'd nail you to a cross, they'd find some excruciating way. Their peace came through conquering, through killing, through wars, through oppression. That's how the Roman government came about peace. And so these shepherds, when God says this is good news, they have to think, God, do you not see what's going on around us? Do you not see the oppression that we're going through? Do you not see everything that's happening? God, do you not see we've been displaced from wherever we were originally from and we're being moved around, we're being shuffled around. God, this doesn't seem like good news of great joy to everyone. That doesn't seem like what's taking place. But not only was it, <clears throat> excuse me, not only was it the Roman government, but it was the religious system of that time. See, in that time, there were these group of people, we've talked about them a lot here on Sunday mornings, this group of people named the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they believed it was their job from God to let people know how far they were away from the kingdom of God. They had books and books of rules, books and books and lists and lists of laws that said if you don't do this and you don't do this and you don't follow this, then God doesn't really love you. You're on the outside. You can't come close to God. You can't be near to God. You're actually separated away from God. And the shepherds and the people around them are saying, God, this doesn't seem like good news. A matter of fact, what's their first response when they hear about the angels coming, when they see the angels coming, it's fear in their heart. That's how so many people in our world, when they think about God, that's what immediately comes in their heart. Maybe even some of you in this room, like you're trying to overcome that, but your natural reaction when people talk about God or when people, even when you come to church, maybe it's fear. You have this idea of a God in heaven who's sitting there with his arms crossed, with a stern look on his face, just ready for you to mess up ready for you to make a mistake, and he's right there waiting to condemn you to hell. That's so many people's view of God. That's the shepherd's view of God. That's the people in the Christmas story. That's their view of God around the birth of Jesus. They understood or they thought God is all about these lists and these laws, and he's just waiting for us to mess up. That's the kind of God that we're following. That's the kind of God that's coming. But whenever you read this story, that's not the picture that we get of God. 
the angels immediately, they know what's in the shepherd's heart, and they're like, hey, don't be afraid. Don't allow fear to overtake you. When God comes close, don't allow fear to be your first reaction, but actually, you should be rejoicing. This is good news to everyone. This is great joy to everyone who comes in contact with Jesus, who understands this story. This is what we need to realize. Jesus is happy. God did not send his son in judgment, but God came to celebrate with us, to show us the joy that comes with his life. Jesus is good news of great joy for everyone. If you're taking notes, write that down. Jesus is good news of great joy for everyone. Why? Because God is happy. He's not up there angry. He's not up there mad. He's not up there waiting for you to mess up. He's coming, bringing good news of great joy. Is that the picture that you have of Jesus? Is that the idea that you see whenever you read the Gospels, whenever you come to church, that you're thinking that? I've heard so many people say, man, I was afraid to come to church because I thought the roof was going to fall in. Like I thought God was just waiting there to judge me. And then they come into a place like this and they start to realize, wait, God's not like that. He's come to rescue us. Yes, he knows that we're sinful people and sin is a real issue in our life. We're not brushing that under the rug. That's a real fact in our life. We're broken, we're messed up people. But God didn't come to condemn us. He actually sent his son so that we could understand his joy, the gospel, what it means for him to come and draw near to us. That's actually what the word gospel, what the whole Bible is all about. It's God's rescue plan for you and for me inside of our lives. And you've probably heard pastors, you may have even heard me talk about that, use that word gospel. All that means is it's talking about the good news. It's talking about going and sharing the story of Christ with others. And that's what the gospel is. You guys, the gospel should bring joy to our life. Church should actually bring happiness to your life. It shouldn't make you more depressed. It shouldn't make you more frustrated. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is good news. It's not bad news. If you think you're preaching the gospel and you're preaching bad news, you're not preaching what Jesus came to live about. You've got it a little confused, okay? The gospel is actually good news. It's not news just about hell and fire and brimstone from God. It's actually news that God has come to rescue us, to save us, to redeem us. You see, we are broken people. As I mentioned, we're sinful people. And God came with a rescue plan because he wanted us to know his joy. He wanted us to experience what real life is all about. We talked about that last week, not living in our dead sinful nature, but living in real life. And when we start to understand what Jesus came to do there's joy in our life this idea of salvation that God has come to rescue us actually brings happiness inside of us as his creation and so your goal if you're looking for happiness if you're trying to understand God it's not just about taking a vacation it's not just about reading a good book it's book it's not about napping or listening to listening to a comedian actually joy and happiness starts it has its origins in the person of Jesus Christ. That's where happiness, that's where joy comes from. This idea of the gospel actually comes from God, from the joy that he brings in our, in our life, experiencing that through Christ. Now, I'm not talking about fake joy, okay? I'm not talking about putting a smile on your face and just kind of powering through. I'm not talking about just getting by and kind of faking it till you make it and, and doing that. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about in those difficult moments in your life, Starting to remember what God has done. 
Christianity is not about everything being perfect, okay? The Bible was very clear about that. If you thought you were going to become a Christian and everything was going to be okay, you are, you are sadly mistaken, okay? Jesus was very clear. You're going to face difficult times in this world. You know what? You want to become a Christian? It's going to be hard for you. But then he said this, be of good cheer. Hey, have joy in your life. Be happy. Why? Because I have overcome the world. Why? Because my salvation has come into the world. I've come to bring joy. I've come to bring happiness, even in difficult circumstances, even in difficult situations. And so we need to understand that. What does that mean for our lives? What does that mean for us? This idea that Jesus has come, this idea that this is good news, it's great joy for everyone that will hear about this, that Jesus is actually this picture of God's happiness, of God's joy in our life because of what he's done. What does that mean for us? It means that no matter what you're facing, just like the shepherds this night, you guys, they're under Roman oppression. You think you have financial trouble? Scholars and historians believe they were taxed 70 to 80% of their total income immediately went to the Roman government. That's financial oppression. And in the midst of this, God shows up on the scene and he says, hey, it's difficult. This is a dark night. It may seem may seem like desperate circumstances, but I'm here to tell you this. Jesus has come. And that truth right there will bring great joy to your life. God has arrived on the scene. And that truth right there, what I'm coming to do, the salvation that I'm coming to bring, my presence in the world, in this broken world, will bring joy. It will bring gladness. It will bring happiness to everyone who hears this. What does that mean for you? It means that the sickness in your body, it's not going to win. It's not the end of your story. Yes, it may look dark, it may look desperate, but God has arrived on the scene of your life. And he's bringing salvation. He's bringing salvation to you. It means that that jerk boss that you go to work for every day, okay, that you're like, man, God, why am I here? It means that that's not the whole picture. That's not the end of the story. That's not everything in your life. Why? Because Jesus has shown up in his salvation, His salvation in your life makes all the difference in the world. It means that as you come to church, and yes, you may sin, you're going to make mistakes, you're still going to stumble. Even as a Christian, you're going to mess up. It means that that's not the end of the story, that sin and death and all of these things in our life, they don't have the final say over us. That truth right there should bring happiness and joy in our life, that God is still working inside of us. That's the truth that he brought to the shepherds that night. I'm bringing joy. I'm bringing gladness inside of your life. Why? Because I am a God that's drawing close to you. That's the picture that we get. That's the picture that we should be living out as a church, you guys. That's the image that we should be giving other people, that everyone is welcome here because of what Christ has done. This is good good news for everyone. It doesn't matter who you are, if you're rich or poor, if you're good, if you're bad, if you're ugly. This church right here should be a place where people from all kinds of backgrounds can come in and can experience the joy of God, where they can experience the happiness of God, where they can get a clear picture of who God is. That is what the gospel is all about. Church, is that the kind of picture that you're showing other people of who Jesus is? Is that the image that you're giving other people? Do you have that own understanding inside of your life? Because this is who we know God is. If you still have your Bibles open, turn to Genesis chapter 1. 
I want to highlight this verse at the very beginning of creation that help us understand this idea that Jesus is happy. This is the nature of God. This is who God is. It's what we see. If you have that Bible open, it's just turning to page one. This is the very beginning of the Bible there. And in Genesis chapter 1, we see God creating, and he's made the stars, the heavens, the planets. He's created animals after all of these days. He's made plants and vegetations. And then he comes on the sixth day, and this is what it says, Genesis chapter 1, starting reading at verse 26. God says to himself, then let us make man in our image and after our likeness. You understand that right there? Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish and over the sea, over the birds of the heavens and the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay? So you have the TV on or you're watching your kids or you're around your grandkids or you're at work and someone tells a funny joke and your natural response is to... Yep, it's not a trick question, you guys, okay? The right answer is laugh, okay? So you chuckle, you ha-ha, you giggle, you hee-hee. I don't know how you laugh, okay? But you do something, right? There's some expression of joy on your face. Um, you take a break from frowning or from whatever you typically do, and you put a smile on your face. You guys, you were made in the image of God. I don't know if you've ever pictured God like that, but he's not up in heaven frowning, you guys, okay? Okay? He's not up in heaven with this worried expression like, oh no, Satan's going to get the better of us. I don't know what I'm going to do. That's not who God is, okay? He's not up there mad at the world, like so frustrated um, at us that he's so angry. He's just wanting to send all of us to hell. That's not the picture that we get of God. See, we were created in his image. And when we laugh, when we smile, when we giggle, when you hear a little kid, even at a young age, start to chuckle, that's the image of God. See, we were created in that image. Your sense of humor, your ability to make a joke, all of those things, joy and happiness, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but that comes from God. Everything that we're doing today, what we're celebrating, God is up in heaven celebrating with us. The Word of God says that, that every time someone commits their life to Christ, the angels throw a party. All of heaven celebrates. They rejoice, okay? I imagine God jumps up from the throne and does a fist in the air or something, okay? He's not mad, you guys. He's happy. This is a joyful God. We're created in His image. We see a picture of God as we see Him like that, but so many of us, we have this idea that he's that judgmental God, that he's frustrated, that he lives his whole life angry. And so we start to live like that. Because that's our picture of Jesus. That's what we think Jesus is about. We begin to represent that to other people around us. And then we wonder why the world doesn't want to come to church. We wonder why people don't want the gospel that we're preaching. Because we're not giving a clear picture of who God is. We're not fully representing who he is in our life and what that means for, for us. And so Christians, do this. Smile. Okay? Yep, right now. Okay, I'm waiting. I can see all of you. I can see your beautiful faces. There you go. Okay? It's okay to put a smile on your face. It's okay to remember the salvation that God gave you every day to wake up, to be thankful for that. This week, I think it was on Wednesday, I was, 
I come in every day and I try to pray for an hour before I get my day started. And I'm upstairs and I felt like for that whole hour, God just said, hey, give me thanks. The past few weeks, they've been a little bit difficult for me. There's been times of worry and stress. And God says, you're losing sight of everything you have to be thankful for, Aaron. You're just looking at the negative. You're just looking at what's going wrong. And so for an hour, thank him for my family. God, I don't think I deserve this. No one would have ever told me as a high school student that, man, life would be this good for me. God, that you would bless me in this way. I started calling your name out. I started thanking God for you, for people in our church, how God has blessed us, the amazing gifts, the talents, the resources, everything that God has brought here to New Community Church. I spent an hour thanking God for you. Why? Because that's what God is about. He's a God of joy. And we can become so focused on the negative in our life. We can become so fearful and wrapped up in stress and everything around us that we forget that part of God's character, part of God's nature, part of who Jesus is, is that he's happy. There's actually joy in God. And we as Christians, we're called to represent that. We're called to demonstrate that. And so many of us, we just view God in religion as a party pooper. That it's all about these rules. It's all about these regulations. And that's how God is. And nothing could be further from the truth. God invented happiness. He's the one who's given us this concept of humor. See, pleasure comes from him. Pleasure comes from God. Church, I don't know if you've been living like that. Sometimes I have to remind myself of that. God, you're not up there frustrated all the time. God, you're not sitting there angry just waiting for me to mess up and that's where you get pleasure. God, you're actually for me. And God, you proved that when you sent your son and you said, this is good news. This is great joy. This is what I'm bringing into the world is joy. You've been living in death. You've been living in frustration. You've been living in stress. But my arriving on the scene makes all the difference in the world. So what does that mean for us? Church, we have to start living like this. You're facing difficult times, no doubt. Some of your life may seem like the shepherd. There may be financial trouble and difficulty. You may have dysfunction in your home. You may have a lot of things going on. But you need to remember the joy of your salvation. You need to smile sometime. You need to do things that are fun. So many times we get worked up and even our relaxation is a job, right? The things that we think that we should be doing, man, we're trying to work at relaxing. Our life has become all about work. And we need to rediscover the joy of God. So what does that mean? Man, enjoy life. Turn to the person next to you right now and say, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Okay? There we go. It's hard to say over and over again, okay? We need to do things that remind us of the joy that God has brought in our life. We need to do things, man, and kids are a great example of that. They take pleasure, they take enjoyment in the small things, right? I mean, at Christmas time, we buy our kids hundreds of dollars worth of presents and they're playing with the box, right? They're not even playing with the toy. We need to become like a child in our faith sometimes again. We need to stop. Maybe not, maybe you don't have an hour in the morning, but on your way to work in the shower, you need to stop and remember that Jesus is happy. 
You need to stop and give thanks for God. Yes, I know there's struggles in your life. I pray for them every week as you write them down on the prayer card. I know some things are difficult. I know that there's people in our church recently, they've lost loved ones. People that are close to them have died. Some of you are going through desperate circumstances in hard situations, and I'm not telling you to ignore those. I'm not telling you that there's not moments where those things don't weigh on us, but that's not how we're called to live our entire life. You're not called to live your entire life weighed down, pressed down by the concerns and the worries of this world. God has come to bring joy in your life. And whether you've realized it before this moment or not, I'm here to remind you this morning, Jesus is happy. He's happy. He came to bring joy to the world around us. He came to introduce joy back into our life because it was missing. Sin had broken it. Sin had separated us from God. And Jesus came and he said, I'm arriving back on the scene. And the Roman government, they're not going to be able to stop it. The religious leaders, they're not going to be able to silence it. My joy and my happiness is finding its way back into the world. Church, this is how we're called to live. This is the kind of people that we're called to be. And if we can live with this truth, if we can live with this kind of attitude in our life, if we can represent this side of Jesus, that yes, there's brokenness and there's sin, but Jesus has come to rescue us from that. And it brings joy inside of our life. It's going to become contagious to other people around us. It's going to become contagious at your workplace. And I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes this morning. I just want to ask if there's anyone in the room this morning, maybe you're visiting Maybe you're someone and you thought, Aaron, if I show up at church, the roof may fall in because my life is not close to God. Maybe there's brokenness in your life and you've been viewing God as someone who's just there to judge you. That he's somehow up in heaven waiting for you to mess up and that's what's going to bring him pleasure. But this morning, you're starting to realize there's something different about him. And if that's you, you're here this morning and you know You don't have a relationship with God, but you want a fresh start. You want a brand new start with Christ. I'm going to invite you in a moment to get up out of your seat and to come forward to the altar. I want to pray for you. The word of God is very clear. We're all broken. We're all sinful. We're all messed up. No matter how good we think we are, there is brokenness inside of each and every one of us. The scripture says that all of us have sinned and we've fallen short of God's glory, of what his plan was for us. But the thing that brings joy and happiness is this understanding that God did not leave us there. That he came in the form of a baby. He lived his life here. 33 years he came and he died upon a cross so that we could understand the righteousness of God. So that we could be redeemed by him. And I just want to ask in this part of the service, is there anyone here right now? You know God's speaking to you. You know you need a fresh start. If that's you. Right now, get up out of your seat and come forward. Meet me right here at the altar. I want to pray for you. Anyone at all, God is speaking to your heart. God's challenging you this morning. I won't take too long, but I don't want you to miss this opportunity. If God's speaking to you this morning, you need a brand new start. He's here this morning inviting you into his family. Well, if there's no one in that situation this morning, I want to pray for us as a church. And I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Use your own words, but I want you to talk to God. And I want you to ask him to bring his happiness into your life. I'm going to ask you to do this. Smile while you pray, okay? Smile while you pray. Smile while you talk to God. And let's ask him 
that his joy and his happiness would be present in our life. And that if you're going through difficulty, that he would remind you of his salvation, that he's stepping on the scene of your life. So let's pray together. God, we come before you, Lord. And God, I thank you, Lord, God, for your joy that you've introduced into our world, God. The truth is we're all broken, Lord. We've all made mistakes, God. We've all messed up at times. Lord, thank you for your salvation that comes, that invades our world, Lord, and brings joy and brings happiness. And Lord, this morning we pray, let us be that kind of church. As we go into our workplace, God, as we're in our schools, as we're in our community, Lord, as we're surrounded by people who are depressed, who are stressed out, who are worried, God, who are frustrated with life, Lord, let us be a beacon of life. Lord, let us be a beacon of hope to other people around us that need to see your joy, God, that need to experience your hope, Lord, that need to understand your salvation, God. Let us be happy, Lord. We pray this, God, and let it make all the difference to everyone around us, and we pray this in your name. Amen.